In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what His body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm Director of Ministry Relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you all to today's broadcast. Well, folks, as I greet you today, I realize that I am not bringing you breaking news when I tell you that we live in a very highly politically charged time, and we live in a very highly political area. If I were guessing, I would guess the most highly political area in our country. Well, what is the church's role in all of this? What are our responsibilities, and what should our response be? Well, the Center for Christian Civics is a ministry that attempts to help us answer those questions and navigate those waters. So let's talk about it. And of course, you know the drill to get us going, to get us started, and to introduce our guest for the day, um, my good friend, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. God bless you, my friend. It's great to see you. Hey, good to be seen, especially in the midst of all that's been going on in the world that we are living in. We're getting used to, in many ways, this new normal, right? Uh, For our radio show, it means that we're doing this via Zoom, so... Uh, thanks for putting up, uh, if you're our regular listeners, with things a little bit different than maybe than normal. Uh, but we all know that all of us are going through a lot of changes. And in this new normal, there are some challenges for sure. But the great news is, as it says in the book of Hebrews, is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means he is sufficient for every challenge that ever has been, Amen. is currently going on, and every will be, uh, ever will be, rather. And so that, that's our hope that you're living from that truth for sure today. And we want to talk about what we talk about every week, the good news that comes from Jesus Christ and how he changes everything. And to do that, we're going to welcome back uh, someone who was just on the show about a month ago, and that's Rick Barry. Uh, Rick, you're so good. We brought you back. Uh, and so we're excited to have you back. If, for those of you who maybe didn't catch earlier on when we talked to Rick, let me give you a quick reminder or for a first time to hear about who he is and uh, talk about some things today. He is the co-founder and executive director of Center for Christian Civics. Uh, He helps ministry leaders and faith communities develop missional approaches to their local public squares. He works on campaigns for local, state, and federal offices. Uh, He's a former writer and editor for Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, and he oversaw communications for the Grace DC Church Network. He and his wife, they live in Washington, D.C., where he's joining us right now from his home, which he tells us there's construction going on outside, uh, but we don't hear any of that on our end. So uh, thanks uh, for joining us, Rick, and being a part of the show today. Thanks for having me back. It's great to get to talk to you all again. Thank yeah, you, well, you know, not everyone says when they come back, it's great to get to talk to us again. So that's a good start. What do you say, Dennis? Hey, right? man. Hey, man, not, we, must, not have, so we bad. must have fooled him the last time. I don't know, man. I, uh, I don't know what it is. Well, let's just. Let's dive into our topic today. Uh, Rick, 
a lot of times uh, people have this inspiration moment or the something happens in their life that launches them into a particular area. For you, what was the thought or even the inspiration that behind starting this organization called the Center for Christian Civics? It came out of a close friendship I formed with another person at my church who also had a ministry background and also had a professional political background on the other side of the aisle. And as we were getting to know each other and talking about our mutual experiences working in professional politics, we realized that a lot of the things that were uncomfortable for him as a Christian working in his party were the same things that were uncomfortable for me as a Christian working in my party. Uh, We had a hard time telling Christians apart from non-Christians based on their behavior or their vision for what they were trying to accomplish in politics. Uh, And we both felt really strongly that um, Christianity should not be a political or cultural interest group. It shouldn't be a discrete demographic competing with other demographics within our parties for power and influence. We wanted to see Christians across the political spectrum become missionaries to their cultural tribes rather than viewing their political allies as partners in some kind of holy war against anyone who happened to not uh, have an issue they care about on the same platform. Yeah. And you said, I love how you said that, that Christians should not be a political or cultural interest group. In fact, I think uh, a lot of uh, the world around us, when you hear the term Christian, Uh, In many cases, for them, as they receive it in their minds and in their listening ears, they automatically attach it to a cultural interest group or they attach it to a political interest group. And it's this reality that exists in a lot of people's worlds that they live in that has kind of bent some people who are Christians to say, okay, boom, this means I should not be involved or engaged in the political or, or in civics at all, that world because I, I don't want that to happen. So talk about your belief and your philosophy that completely stepping away isn't the answer, but rather believers should still be involved in talking about Christian civic issues, but how they would involved and what do you feel like sort of the level of engagement should be? Well, as Christians, we're people who believe that God carries us into the places that we live. And that means that God made an intentional choice to put believers living in the U.S. in a country where the authority, identity, and legitimacy of the state actually derives from the body politic and flows upward rather than coming from a single figurehead and flowing down. He made a deliberate choice to put us on a 300 million person HR committee that hires, reviews, and then fires or rehires the people who do the day-to-day work of government. Uh, We don't I personally don't believe most of us get to choose our mission field or get to resent our mission field. And I don't believe that we get to tell God he made a mistake by giving us that responsibility Um, to Mm -hmm. try to step away from or disengage from the public square and from government is actually to take off a crown that God has given you as a believer living in a representative and participatory democracy. Uh, So even if you don't feel like you fit into the current um, cultural trends in one party or another, that doesn't absolve you from responsibility for making the overall process of government in our public square healthier and more functional. Nebuchadnezzar, after he 
came back to his senses, uh, wasn't called to abdicate his throne. He was called to execute his throne differently. Mm -hmm. yes. In fact, uh, even in the New Testament, Acts chapter 17, some, some people refer to it as a theology of place that Paul says, you know, you have been put here specifically. There's a reason behind why you are where you are, and there's purpose in there. And, and I hear you arguing very uh, eloquently that to abdicate where you have been placed and the purpose behind that isn't necessarily engaging all that God wants us to engage because he has a reason behind that. Now, many times when we talk about political involvement, certainly in the United States, where we have a somewhat of a monopoly of a two-party system, right, uh, we begin to think party affiliation. I don't know if that's true in in every country, but it's certainly something that's a reality where most of our listeners are going to be hearing us today, right? Talk a little bit about um, that a political party doesn't have a corner on this is the believers to be in one political party or the other, that um, as believers, there are people affiliated with different political parties. Yes. Yeah. Political parties are like any other um, institution created by human beings. Um, they're made by people who are glorious but fallen and they reflect the glories and the idolatries of the people who make them they reflect god's image and they distort it um scripture doesn't prescribe the relationship between an individual believer's values and the structure and force of the state in a representative democracy where believing christians are the largest minority in a sea of spiritual minorities and God deliberately gives believers different passions and even different um, kind of approaches to uh, gives believers passions for different issues, different problems, mm -hmm. different manifestations of brokenness in the world, and even uh, different approaches to the same issue. You look at food insecurity or what we would call food insecurity in scripture, and you have kind of Joseph collecting some of everyone's food in Egypt and then redistributing it at a profit to the state seven years later. You have gleaning laws in Israel. You have calls in Israel and in the New Testament to sacrificial levels of personal generosity. You have um, taxes or tithes in Israel specifically dedicated to food for the poor. Those are five completely different strategies for dealing with the same issue. Um, it is entirely reasonable for Christians to end up on in different parties based on which manifestations of brokenness any particular Christian is most uh, well-equipped to tackle or care about or speak about in the public square. Um, if people walked into a church and just saw everyone in that church caring about the same issue in the same way, that would actually fall short of uh, the vision the Bible gives us for uh, what God wants to do when he says that he's bringing healing to this world. Um, God is not yeah. interested in just changing what day of the week we worship on. He's not just interested in uh, setting prisoners free. He's not just interested in healing the sick, in feeding the hungry, or in um, giving justice to the marginalized. He's interested in all of those things and more. Uh, and so we actually have to have Christians uh, whose approach to the public square are defined by different issues and even different approaches to the same issue. 
the thing that yeah. needs to set us apart is how we conduct ourselves in pursuit of those goals. And you just said, uh, you know, in really quickly, a lot of very complicated things that I think in Sorry about theory, that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that's, that's part of the show. It's, it's 24 minutes. We've got a lot to get in in a short amount of time. But what I'm saying is you said very quickly a lot of complicated things that I believe that when people have a chance to process through, they theoretically and even theologically agree with. And many times as people who follow Jesus Christ, we theoretically believe something, we theologically affirm it, but navigating that theory of what we believe, the truth about the theology in our life, that's a whole different challenge. Um, living in the world of, of broken people where we miscommunicate or we as people who are far from perfect, who are sinners, there's, there's some challenge there. And so one of the things um, that you help churches and ministries do is to really understand what is meant by a term of civic stewardship. And maybe just focus a little bit there, if I can, for a moment around that topic. So at least we can sort of start at some of the same places and having some of the same definitions of words. Well, stewardship in, is a term we throw around a lot in American Christianity. Normally, we um, use it to, or most commonly, we, when we say stewardship, we talk about uh, being wise and responsible with our finances. But we also talk about stewarding our time, stewarding our energy. And what that all boils down to is taking seriously the responsibilities and blessings that God has entrusted us with and figuring out the wisest and most effective ways to use those blessings to make God's kingdom or foretastes of God's kingdom felt. Um, in a representative democracy, one of the unique blessings we have, as I mentioned before, is um, some level of responsibility for and control over and access to uh, the health of our governmental systems, the life of our public square, the institutions, norms, and processes that give shape to our relationship to one another on a large scale. Um, so when we say civic stewardship, we mean learning to discover uh, the opportunities God has already put in your life to ensure the health of the community he has carried you into, not just on a social level, but actually on an institutional and governmental level. Um, learning to go just from kind of personal charity and activism to um, learning how to make your city council, your city government function better because you happen to be one of the people who show up at a town hall meeting. One of the things we like yeah. to say is that um, we try to help Christians become the people that uh, I don't know what the um, most local level of government is in your town, but here in DC below city council, we have something called area neighborhood council. So in our own backyard, we like to say that we want church members to be the people that ANC members really hope show up to community forums, even if that ANC member knows the church members didn't vote for them. We want church members to be the best bosses their elected officials have ever had. And as you discover those opportunities then that are there uh, in whatever sort of local environment or state environment or even federal environment that you might exist and run in, you say it's possible to engage those opportunities in a way that isn't politically polarizing. How do you suggest that we depolarize uh, some of these things that, frankly, um, every time you turn on 
the television or you go to a particular news site, whether it be something uh, that is from uh, a media source or from your friends who profess to have a media source, it tends to be polarizing. How is that possible? Well, first, it's possible by um, signing your church up for our new four-month training program, Foundations of Christian Civic Engagement. But Mm -hmm. aside from that... No, it's good. um, Yeah. Go to christiancivics.org. Do that. Sometimes that's simple. You can't answer the question completely. (laughs) Say, hey, just go there. That's why the resources are there. Um, But it has to do with, A, um, first transitioning from seeing uh, politics and government as a competition to seeing it as a responsibility, uh, which is something we've talked about a lot already. Uh, But B, it then also comes from understanding that uh, our, the things that drive our policy preferences that drive our partisan affiliations uh, actually are downstream from a host of other extra biblical factors, not anti-biblical, not unbiblical, not non-biblical, but extra biblical factors. Like, what region of the country you grew up in is going to affect what you think the proper role of the state in a representative democracy is, for example. The Bible doesn't prescribe whether uh, God has given you a passion for pediatric public health or a passion for criminal justice reform. Even if you have a passion for pediatric public health, the Bible doesn't prescribe whether you mostly volunteer at a well-financed children's cancer hospital in Boston or went to build a pediatric AIDS clinic in sub-Saharan Africa. All of those are extra biblical factors that are going to change what you think the most pressing issues are in the public square and what your approach to those issues are. So step one is go from seeing government as a competition to seeing it as a responsibility. And number two is understand that People who don't have the same perspective of you, uh, same perspective as you on government, actually have witness that you need for your own spiritual development. They have, um, if we are all seeing through a glass dimly, their glasses are smudged in different places from yours. And you actually need their perspective to see more of the road God has placed in front of you. Uh, So no longer seeing government as a competition and no longer um, viewing the correction, teaching and training and righteousness of your partisan opponents as a threat. Yeah. So what I hear you saying, if I, if I put it sort of in, in my language is something like this is that scripture is really clear on certain things to do. Like for example, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the principle. However, the application based upon how I've been wired in my culture and the things that surround me often looks different. It looks different to love your neighbors as yourself in Boston as maybe as it does in sub-Saharan Africa. And this is another example of what you're bringing forth in the say, hey, how we're acting on these very clear mandates in scripture, the, the principle might look different depending upon certain environmental factors. Is that what you're saying? Um, to use that language, our neighbors need more expressions of God's love than any one person can provide. People who are trying to make the kingdom felt in practical ways that are different from the practical ways we are most inclined to aren't threats to God's work being done in the public square. They're actually necessary parts of God's work being done in the public square. We need to relish and cherish and celebrate the fact that there are people in the church equipped 
to demonstrate God's healing in ways that we ourselves never could. Yeah. You, uh, you should think about, Rick, you should think about, by the way, I was just thinking, man, and, and it's, it probably sounds silly, but maybe not. Um, you need to go teach our Senate and our House of Representatives these very things, because I'll never get why they're so angry and that kind of stuff at one another. So because it's just what you and Brian just shared to me makes so much sense, man. And that last thing you said, they need different expressions of God's love. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Praise God for that. Thank you. It's not going to take what we see in D.C. is not, I really believe, not the cause of most of our political problems. It's the um, expression of it. it. Sure. People can teach all they want in the Senate, but until the Senate is filled with people who learned better behavior earlier on in their career, By the time you get up to the Senate, your habits are already set. It's going to be up to churches and communities throughout the country to start creating healthier working environments for the farm team of elected Mm -hmm. officials so that by the time they're ready for the National League, they've learned learned to behave differently. This is a long-term problem that I believe the church is being conscripted into solving. Yes. Yeah. Well, and they can go to ChristianCivics.org just to make another plug again, right? Amen. And they can learn even, Amen. you know, more about that as they go. Well, hey, in about one minute or so, if you could uh, give us a story. We love that here on Good News for the City of how you've engaged and you've seen success when you've got involved and have individuals on completely different ends of political spectrum work together. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was, and I've told this story a few times now um, in different interviews, but it's really a great example Um, In one of our workshops, we had a wealthy retiree um, who was in his late 60s, Trump supporter, uh, partnered up for one of our conversation exercises with a young first-generation immigrant woman, late 20s, early 30s, would never have voted right in her life. Um, And he came up to me after the event and said that he could not believe how at the end of their conversation, he felt like he had known her his entire life. He didn't realize that he he was capable of understanding the perspective and experience and actually caring so much about the needs of someone so unlike himself, even if they shared his faith. Uh, Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. Yeah. Dennis? Yeah, I I just, uh, man, talk about good news for the city. That's some good news for our city, isn't it? And for our cities around, man, to to have folks who are so extremely, and I have a lot of friends, you know, that are um, that, that are on the other side of the aisle, as, as Rick put it <laughs> so eloquently um, a, few hour, a few moments ago. But anyway, thank you again, Rick. Um, yeah, Rick, tell us, about the, t- tell us about the Bible study. Just before I close, tell us about your Bible study that you were going to talk about quickly. No problem. We have available on our website a Bible five-chapter Bible study called The Light to the World, Navigating Politics by Light of the Christian Story. It breaks the biblical story down into five chapters, creation, fall, incarnation, redemption, and restoration, and goes through how each of those chapters changes the way Christians should respond to divisive political rhetoric in a campaign year. It's great for small group use. Um, It's also suitable for individual private Bible study use. And that's available on on the store tab at our website 
christiancivics.org. Wow, that's very cool. That's, that's stuff we could really use, especially this year. So, uh, and everything is going on. Thank you. God bless you, my brother. Hey, folks, again, for more information, you can go to christiancivics.org. That's christiancivics.org. Or if you want to hear this again, very interesting stuff going on here at Good News for the City, you can go to goodnewsforthecity.com, goodnewsforthecity.com, or wava.com, keyword good news. Look onto our podcast, and you can listen to this again. And as I always tell you, if you need to, you can call me here at the radio station, or I'll get my messages, even though I'm not at the radio station right now, 703-807-2266. Hey, thank you all. God bless you. Hey, Rick, thanks again. Brian, God bless you, my friend. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.